You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. What's going on, Oilers fans? Connor Halley here with another edition of The Other Connor Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. Make sure you give me a follow on Twitter as well, at Connor Halley. And before we get into the Oilers discussion, we got to thank our sponsor, DraftKings, once again. This weekend's UFC 261 is sure to be a can't-miss event. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes for this weekend's fight. DraftKings is offering all players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN, stands for the Hockey Podcast Network, to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. On this episode of the Other Connor Podcast, we will talk to Matthew Awanek of TSN 1260 in Edmonton, co-host of the Dave Jameson Show about the Edmonton Oilers' victory over the Montreal Canadiens on Monday night. He was down at the Ice District taking it all in, so we'll get his thoughts on that one. We're also going to talk to Joe Whalen of Canadians Connection. He's a co-host there. And get his thoughts on the game. He was kind enough to join me as well on Monday night after the game. It was laid out east, so we were very appreciative that he spared some time for us. We'll get his thoughts on that game from a Montreal Canadiens perspective and what we can expect going into the game on Wednesday night. And finally, we will talk to Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings Nation. Talk a little daily fantasy sports. We'll give you his updates for the week. Some Some good hints, some guys you should look to pick in your lineup. And some guys you should avoid. But for the Edmonton Oilers, man, if you were playing DraftKings on Monday night, hopefully you picked up Connor McDavid and Jesse Pugliarvi combining for five points. They had a goal each. McDavid had two helpers. And uh, most importantly, the Edmonton Oilers finding a way to get the win. I thought Mike Smith was great once again. The last two games he's played, he's only allowed one goal. And the one goal came off the skate of Eric Stahl. Very unconventional, but it worked for the Canadians. On Monday night, though, it wasn't enough. The Oilers pick up the big 4-1 victory. Not all good news, though. Jujar Kara taking a shot a little high up. Not a dirty hit, but a little high up. And it looks like he might have a concussion right now. Of course, we're taping this Monday evening, so we can't say for sure. I'm sure an update will come out uh, right now. Just listed as an upper body injury, but as he skated off, it did not look good. Kind of had similar eyes to the last time this happened, and uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens for Jujar Kara. But concussions are something you don't mess around with, so hopefully there's not a rush to get him back out there. I know we're going through it with Ryan Nugent Hopkins as well right now. There's got to be no rush. The Oilers right now in a pretty good spot in the standings, playing some good hockey. They've got the depth. So right now I'm sure the Oilers will be in no hurry to get these guys back out there, but... Obviously, their health and safety, number one priority going forward. Uh, on the ice, it was a fun game to watch. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you watched the game Monday night. There was that playoff atmosphere out there. I thought we had some Zach Cassian sightings, which is great. He kind of had the crazy eyes. He's getting in there. Had a nice hit on Shea Weber, put him down. And 
that's what you need to see from this Oilers club, I think. You know, that intensity has to be there. And when Ethan Bear scored his goal, which was his first in 49 games, he was happy. You know, he was... He was ecstatic that he got that goal, and I'm sure there was a big weight taken off his shoulders. The boys around him were happy. Connor McDavid's goal was outstanding, going in on a one-on-two to beat Jake Allen. Probably pretty demoralizing for the Montreal Canadiens. And then Jesse Pugliarvi, I mean, when he scores, he's going to be pumped. No matter what, it could go off his butt. He'd be stoked. So for the Edmonton Oilers, there was that excitement in the air. Uh, I mentioned Jake Allen. He took over for Carey Price who left the game after the first period. We're not exactly sure what happened. He took a shot up high from Leon Dreisaitl, and there was that goaltender interference where uh, Alex Chason did kind of collide with him. So it could have been one of those two things, I'm sure. Like Jujar Carroll, we'll find out a little bit more later on Tuesday, Wednesday, going into their rematch. But overall, good performance by the Oilers Monday night. Great performance by the Oilers on Saturday night against the Winnipeg Jets. And now it's just stacking up those wins, trying to keep it consistent. And we're going to talk about all that on this show tonight. But let's start off with a little bit of the Oilers talk. Matthew Oanica, TSN 1260. He is half of the Dave Jameson show. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Matthew Oanic. Joins us. Matty, thanks a lot for doing this tonight. How are you doing? I'm great. Uh, the only thing I would say is, you know, walking away from Rogers' place after a nice 4-1 Oiler victory, it was one of those games where you can feel it with the teams of the playoff atmosphere, and no fans. It kind of just, like, this would have been a game that would have been great with fans, and then I'm sure, Rod, like, 104th would have been bumping right after the game. Uh, so it was one of those games that kind of really missed the fans, with, but a fantastic hockey game, and uh, so I'm doing good after watching a good game. Oh, I mean, the reactions from the players there when Ethan Bear scored like I'm with you 100% there should have been 16 17,000 fans making noise behind him I I imagine seeing you know a goal like that the emotion with the players in an empty arena it's got to be a little bit weird it's very weird. And then, like, even just after that, like, pull Yarvey's goal uh, and then the empty netter by Shore, like, th- there was a situation where I just looked down quickly as he's tweeting something on my phone, and you kind of look up and, and they score, and it, it just, that, there wasn't that blow up or anything that you would get with a crowd, and it was just the horn would go off, and like, oh, well, the Oilers actually scored here. Um, but I will say this the reaction that the Oilers had, especially on the Ethan Bear goal, was very interesting to me because clearly to them, this was kind of like a playoff game. You just saw a massive amount of motion from all five Oilers on the ice, not just Ethan Bear. Boy, Yarby was so excited, but everyone just blowing up. And I don't know if it was just because of the playoff game. I don't know if it was. You know, this, the Oilers team tonight had so many chances, and just nothing was going in for them until that very moment, and then the floodgates opened up. Uh, and also, it was a very chippy hockey game. That I wonder if there's just like a whole bunch of emotion just came out of the Oilers in that one moment when Ethan Bear scored. Uh, and that's why we saw such excitement from there, and it really push them to scoring three more, including one of those being an empty netter. Yeah, well, 100%. I thought it was chippy. I just spoke to someone out in Montreal. They said the same sort of thing, uh, kind of, you know, uncharacteristic. They don't usually get into it that much. Uh, the big hit on Jujar Kara, obviously a scary scene, the way he had to be helped off the ice, kind of looked a little bit limp out there, and it's not the first time we've seen it this year. You were there in person. You saw it. Uh, did it look like a bad, dangerous high hit to you from what you saw? I, from, from what I saw, because it was on the boards where we were, so you, you, we didn't get a good full angle. Um, but it seemed almost innocent enough, just an innocent type of hit. I, I don't think 
Uh, I haven't been able to see full replays yet or anything, but it didn't seem like there was really major head contact or something like that. But, you know, one of the things we've learned about the heads and with concussions is the moment you get one, you're susceptible to be getting more. And and we saw with Sidney Crosby uh, a few years ago, I don't know if you remember, but it was training camp one year. Um, all of a sudden he was gone and he, he was off with a concussion and no one knew what happened and there was nothing that just happened, you know, that anyone could point to. Uh, and he was down for a bit. And that's just what happens when, when you have a concussion. You've already mentioned that he's been dealing with that issue that those are always scary situations so uh, from my perspective I didn't see anything that I would go that that was a really dangerous or ugly hit it was an ugly result you know we all saw him trying to skate off that ice um, but I guess I'll defer to you a little bit since you've been able to watch you watched it on TV and stuff uh, was that more of a dirty hit in your eyes? No no not okay. at all and I, I think you know one of the benefits from working with uh, Jeff Kershell over these years I've learned a lot about concussions and, you know, it doesn't have to be a direct head impact for that to happen. Obviously, it can be whiplash and, you know, the brain can rock rock back and forth in the skull. And then those things can happen. I thought it was a pretty clean hit, but obviously scary. And, you know, maybe even more just looking with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Like, if it is a concussion, like we assume it is, you don't need to rush him back because, you know, let him, let him have as much time as he can to recover. Uh, Matthew Iwanek of TSN 1260 joining us here on the Other Connor podcast. Uh I want to ask you this one because for me, like, I, I don't know what it was. Zach Cassian for a long time was almost missing in action, kind of, you know, skating around out there, not doing a whole lot. But this game seemed to get him back into it. He had the big hit on Shea Weber. He was getting involved, looked like he was talking out from, from the things we don't see. And maybe, you know, when the cameras are off or they're in commercial, did Zach Cassian look like a different player out there to you? Um, he, yeah, he, tonight it was one of those games that you, you could see that, that old Zach Cassian's kind of still in there and he could still play like that. And, uh, there was the situation when Caleb Jones got hit and, um, you know, there, there was the penalty. Can't remember who, who, who got the penalty there. Um, but Leon was the first one to get in, but Zach Cassian was right there too. And he was ready to go at it, uh, with some of the Habs players. And, uh, we haven't really seen that in a long time. And like, uh, he, he's one of those guys that I felt like, I'll go back to the bubble. It seemed like he's the type of player that's really, you know, having a, a tough time trying to find his game without fans. That he's a guy that feeds off the energy of the fans, whether he lays a big hit or whatever he does, he feeds off that, and that's what drives him a little bit. And and that's where I gave him a little bit past his poor play in the bubble. I feel like that might still be there with him this year, but the problem is everyone has to deal with that. And at some point, you just have to get past it and try to find a way to play your game that the Oilers need from you. And he hasn't done enough of that this year. Actually, I shouldn't even say he hasn't done enough of that. He just flat out hasn't done that this year. But it seemed like tonight was maybe that turning point. And maybe it was because, one, it was a chippy game with the, with the Habs. And two, maybe it was that playoff atmosphere type thing. And, and that, that playoff type of intensity is driving Zach Cassian tonight. And Oilers fans maybe have that to look forward to moving forward. We'll have to see. Hopefully, it's not just a one-game thing for Cassian because um, when he's playing the way that Oilers fans know he can play, this team's a lot better of a hockey team. Uh, one, because you, you can't be as physical with them because that cast will come at you. And that energy, I, I, it's contagious and it'll feed the rest of the team. We see the energy Mike Smith brings to this team and he's in net. Imagine if you have a guy as a forward doing that as well and how where this team could go. Yeah, I feel like you can always tell with Cassian because he kind of gets the crazy eyes and mm-hmm. they, they showed him, I think it's kind of the scrum you were talking about and he was skating away and he had the big grin and like 
like he was in his element and I, I think to a certain extent he's got to find a way to generate that himself he can't rely on the other yeah. team to go out there and you know cheap shot somebody for him to get into the game I think he's got to you know maybe skate a little too close to a goalie or you know throw one of those hits that's going to take a guy off his feet and maybe it's out of star players so an enforcer comes his way and he gets into it but I mean he's got to find a way to generate that Absolutely. And one interesting thing was, it seemed like at the end of the second period, I don't know if they showed this on the practice or not, or not but it seemed like there was a little bit of a stare down between a couple of players on both sides as the teams were going off. And um, I think Tafoli got a penalty late in that period too. But uh, it, it, was, it was interesting. I don't know. Zach Cassian, you'd be one of those guys doing that type of thing too. So um, it, was, it, was, it was a really weird, chippy game that I don't think anyone was expecting for tonight. We're starting to see Connor McDavid and Yessi Pugliarvi kind of get a little bit of chemistry out there. Like on JP's goal, as soon as um, McDavid gets the puck, he's heading up ice. McDavid spots him. Uh, You saw JP make the play on McDavid's goal. Uh, Are you starting to see those two grow together? Absolutely. You know, and it's, I know some people, you know, you know, recently are going, well, Pugliarvi's not scoring, but, uh, you're not always going to have goals. And then we, now we've seen it the last two games with, with those two have been able to do together and one game with Leon. But, um, that, that chemistry, it's, it's not going to be there in game one, but I think we've seen a lot of, moments this year uh, maybe it hasn't been all year just as consistent but we've seen the moments where the two look well it's play well together and I, I think you know that's that pull Yarvi goal is just a classic case of that where you know make you just point out make David seeing him and, and beating him in the pocket and then there goes pull Yarvi that uh, it opens things up for Dave Tippett where you know when Pooley, or when Nugent Hopkins comes back he has a lot of moving pieces that he can do with that top six because you know McDavid's got one winger that you know he can play well with and then you you could play either Nuge or Dry Siddle on the other side, and what a top line you have where you're not worried about, you're just changing one guy around, and no matter who you put there, it's going to go well, but you're really seeing that chemistry, and a perfect time for that chemistry to really start hitting is as you're getting ready for the playoffs. You know, if this is now when they're really going to get going between the two of them as a duo, I can't think of a better time as you get set to take on a very tough first-round opponent, whether it be the Jets, whether it be the Habs. Uh, they're not going to be easy, and if you have Paul Yervin McDavid playing as they are right now, you're in a good spot. I want to just ask you this. Uh, the, the goal by McDavid making it 2-1, did was was air taken out of the sails of the Montreal Canadiens because that goal just had to be demoralizing. He's coming in on the on the Canadians one on two, splits them with ease, puts it past Allen. Like if you're the Montreal Canadiens, you're playing a pretty good game. You know you're five minutes away from taking it to overtime, and then a guy who you've largely contained does that to you. you just to me, it's got to be a little bit demoralizing. Oh, hundred percent. Like I think uh, they had a stat on RDS. Um, where McDavid and Drysdale through six games were held to four points against the Habs coming into tonight. It's something like that. And then, you know, they, they did a good job for most of, again, tonight, like 50 minutes or whatever it was, of shutting down Leon and McDavid. And then I, I think what happened was the Ethan Barrett like there were so many chances right there for the Oilers that nothing was going in that when finally he scored, I think almost the nail got put in the tire. And when McDavid scored, he took a knife and slashed that tire, and it completely deflated. And I think that first goal got the, the Canadians down a little bit, but once you know you've done such a good job of shutting down McDavid, and then he scores that type of goal, the McDavid type goal, where most players in the National Hockey League aren't scoring a goal like that. There's a very few that are able to do that. McDavid obviously is one of those, and we've seen it time and time again. That that I just feel like it right there. They knew it wasn't going to be the rest of their night with the way the game was shifting, with everything that was going on that Ethan Bear goal. I think that's 
started it, but McDavid finished it off, and that just killed everything that the Habs had. And I just don't think they had anything in them the rest of the way to come back and, and find a way to get a win, especially when they also know that their number one goalie is, isn't playing. And we don't know what's going on with Carey Price. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. If he, of course, he left after the first period. Uh, just defensively, uh, going back to Saturday night against the Jets, uh, you know, if you wanted to count the quality opportunities, I think it's single digits that the Jets had. Of course, the Oilers get the shutout there. And then tonight, the only goal the Canadians score comes off the skate of Eric Stahl, kind of a weird goal. Yeah. I mean, Mike Smith won playing awesome, but have you seen a, a, a step forward in terms of defensive hockey for the five skaters out there in front of the goalie? I think so. I think what it comes down to is just how good Darnell Nurse has been for this team this year. I think that, you know, he's really emerged as one of these top defenders. And when you get a defender playing as well as Darnell Nurse has this year, it, it just puts everyone in the right spot and I think gives everyone else the rest of the confidence. Like, we even saw a bit of a lineup change when it came to the D tonight. Is, you know, um, we eventually saw Ethan Bear get paired back up with Darnell Nurse in the top and, um, you know, a couple of other changes throughout that D pairing that Dave Tippett went with. And um, I think he, he, he has that comfort to do that because he just knows the guy that's going out there mostly is Darnell Nurse and he's going to carry this team and he's going to carry the defensive play. And that's just what you're seeing the product of when you have such a solid defender. We all remember what Chris Broder did to the Oilers' blue line in 06. Now, there was a lot of really good defenders in that team in 06, but when you have a guy that can play as a workhorse and as a number one defenseman, the way Chris Broder did, we saw him go to the cup final. I'm not saying Darnell Nurse is going to carry this team to the cup final, but what he does to the rest of the deep pairing, it gives them that confidence. And then you just throw in the seventh defenseman right there of Mike Smith and the way he plays. How does that not make you feel better as a defender knowing that even if you make a little bit of a mistake, the guy behind you is going to bail you out. And you don't get that. I think that, and I think that's why you somewhat see this team play very differently with Miko Koskin is that when they make that mistake, Buck goes back in the net quite often. And with Mike Smith, it's not that. I just think everyone's playing with a little bit of extra confidence and a little bit more jump in their step. And the byproduct of that is one goal allowed in two games against two really good teams. And as you said, it was a, it was a goal off the skate. It wasn't anything special. So the question has to be asked now. I believe 12 games remaining in the season. Uh, one day off, then you've got the Montreal Canadiens once again. Are you comfortable going to Mikko Koskinen a couple more times here? Uh, I think you have to because, you know, you've got to give Mike Smith some sort of rest because he's an older goalie um, and they're going to be playing a lot of hockey down the stretch with, you know, all these games that are going to be condensed. Um, but that said, I think this is just the classic. you got a 1A or, you know, last year was a 1A, 1B goalie situation. Now you have a starter and you have a backup. And Mikko Koskinen's the backup of this team that you only play when you need rest Mike Smith. And I don't think there's many more games you need to get him in. I haven't looked too closely at the schedule. I would have to see how many if they, how many back-to-backs the team might have. Um, but outside of that, you, you do need to get Mikko Koskinen in there, but that's only because you need Mike Smith rest. It's not to get Mikko Koskinen playing or anything um, because Mike Smith's playing as well as anyone. You know, his save percentage is above 920 this season. That's as good as you can ask for, um, and that's the type of goaltending you're going to need come playoff time, but he's the starter. So with 12 games left, like – Honestly, I'd be surprised if Nico Koskinen gets more than three. Like it should be that much of a difference um, because Mike Smith is the guy, and I, I do feel comfortable enough with Nico Koskinen going in there in a couple of games. Uh, he, he can play at times and get you that win. It's just can he get that first save? And if he gets that, you win for a pretty decent night, I would say. Um, but you have to be comfortable enough to get him in there in a few games. Um, 
because, again, you need that rest for Mike Smith. But come playoff time, we know whose team this is. And if, if Miko Costin's going into the playoffs, I mean, something seriously has gone wrong with the Edmonton Oilers, and uh, their hopes of moving on probably aren't that important anyways. Kind of funny. I mean, I, I think most players probably would agree that it's not ideal to have all these long breaks, but for Mike Smith, and then you combine that with the injury he had to start the year, it's kind of been a perfect storm for him where he's getting a lot of time to rest and you know should be able to handle a little bit more than maybe he could last year. Yeah, and I remember talking, uh, I think it was Dreger that came on the station uh, with JMO at the start of the year and said, you know, with, with how condensed spring training, uh, not spring training, training camp was this year, um, it almost worked out to Mike Smith's favor to start the year on, you know, being a little injured or he was dealing with COVID and stuff because it gave him proper time to get ready, unlike everyone else. Um, and you're right with this time off. I was just talking with, with somebody at the game tonight. I actually, I'll go beyond Mike Smith. The fact that the Oilers have been quote-unquote hit with COVID, like the team hasn't been hit with COVID, but they've been the team that has dealt with COVID, you know, all the teams that have had COVID more than anyone else. Um, they've had the big breaks. They haven't played a lot of hockey games. That, I feel like, might end up actually being a huge benefit for the Oilers in the long run, that, yeah, they'll have a lot of games that they still have to play here, but any type of injury a player might have been dealing with or banged-up players throughout the last few weeks, they've had time to heal up or get healthier. And, like, we always hear it at the end of the playoffs, all these players dealing with injuries. Well, the Oilers have the potential of being probably the most rested and healthiest team going into the playoffs. And what an advantage that might be. That the Oilers actually might, we might look back on this huge rest and go, that was a huge benefit for this team. And that gave them a chance to knock off, let's say, Jets and Leafs and make it to the conference finals or something. Uh, because, you know, the Leafs and Jets are going to be going at it a little bit here coming up. And maybe this rest is something that for the Oilers that they're just mostly healthy that no other team has been able to do. Matt, uh, earlier on, well, earlier on in the week, I suppose, Ryan McLeod recalled to the team's practice squad. Obviously, he's got to go through the quarantine. Uh, taxi squad, not practice squad. This isn't the NFL. Anyways, do you think this guy at 21 years old can make an impact for the Edmonton Oilers? Like, pretty good stats for the Condors, 28 points in 28 games, but it's a big jump to the NHL. And that's exactly it. It's a huge jump to the NHL from the AHL. I remember there was a, a player who was a, a points machine in the American Hockey League. I think it was Alex Giroux was. Uh, and he was with the Oilers for a little period of time, but he was mostly with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, and great in the AHL, but he'd come up to the NHL and he couldn't do anything. Just because it, it is a different game. Anton Lander was also one of those players who... who did, well, I was we, thinking too. <laughs> yeah, he, he he did well. He was only Todd Nelson. He did well under Todd Nelson in the NHL. But outside of that, he just couldn't produce in the NHL, produced in the AHL. It, it, it's a different game. and um, At some point, you have to make that leap. But I don't think you should then all of a sudden put expectations that the player like a Ryan McLeod, who's young, will just come in and make an impact. So uh, do I think that once he you know, clears quarantine and starts playing with his team, if they put him in, is, this gonna be, is he going to be an impact player or have some sort of impact? I'm going to always defer to the other side and go, probably not. Like He's not going to jump in into the top six. He's probably going to be playing in the bottom six role if he plays any hockey. And don't expect anything too much because a young player, it takes a while to develop. I know you know we've seen a shift in hockey where players are coming in younger and younger. Uh, that's not all players. You know that's Those are the McDavid's of the world. Those are the first-round picks of the world. Let Ryan McLeod slowly come in, and I think other fans just lower expectations. Don't expect too much and allow him to grow into the National Hockey League because um, it is a tough league and the step is is quite mighty. And some players can do it, but a lot can't do it right away. 
One last question for you, Matt. And uh, I got to ask you about Dmitry Kulikov. Haven't uh, had you on the podcast since the trade happened. Where do you think he slots into the lineup? Especially, I mean, the Oilers coming off two games where they play yeah. pretty good defense. Not going to make it easy uh, for Coach Tippett to make that decision. No, it's not. But one, what a great problem to have if you're Dave Tippett, where uh, you can't get a, a, a pretty solid NHL defenseman into your lineup. Um, and so that's one uh, good thing for him. I think for the most part, in the end, you'll just see Chris Russell come out for a Kulikov. And Chris Russell will probably move into a seventh defenseman type role because one thing he can do, he can play both sides. You know, we, we know that he's at times can play the right side. So if you need to make any sort of lineup changes, whether it be injury, whether it's just the rest, or whether it be you just need to make a change, I, I think Chris Russell's a fine seventh defenseman that you could throw in there. Um, I'd probably rather have Kulikov in the lineup. I think that seems to be the natural spot to place him in. Um, but, you know, I, I think at the same time, too, if the defense keeps playing the way they have these last two games. Uh, Kulikov waits until he gets into that lineup. Um, but these are the type of problems you want to have going into the playoffs. Uh, you want to have a tough time getting players in. It also shows just how this organization is getting deeper in spots where players can't just come in. Even like an e- Evan Bouchard. A few years ago, he would have been playing with this team. Uh, right now, he can't crack the lineup just because there's better guys ahead of him at this moment. Uh, and as you go into the playoffs, you want that depth. You need that depth. And so um, again, I-, I think probably Chris Russell's spot um, I, I don't think you're going to want to make any other real changes. There may be a Caleb Jones, um, but good problem for Dave Tippett. I think he's probably pretty happy with Ken Holland giving him an extra little weapon. Yeah, I mean, Bouchard, Samorikov, Philip Broberg, uh, good problems for the future. Well, I, right? <laughs> we'll think about Clefbaum, too. Clef, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I guess I've just like looked at it as potentially the worst-case scenario. Maybe Clefbaum's done. Maybe, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but you're right. If, if he comes back, and even if you can't get all these guys in your lineup, well, then all of a sudden you have some trading pieces. So well, this is unfamiliar territory for, well, for I mean, you and I as oiler. <laughs> I guess people that cover the team, even being fans when we were younger. Like, I don't remember this ever happening. In 06 is probably the best defense the others had that I can remember. Uh, you had Pronger, you would have Jason Smith, you would have Steve Steos. They brought in uh, Spacek, Dick Tarnstrom. I don't know who else would have been on the team. I don't know if Ulanov was on that team or, or not or who else might have been there. But, like, that was a pretty solid defense that they had. It was actually good NHL players. Um, they haven't had anything like that since. And before that, it, in my time, it wasn't anything too special. Uh, and now, yeah, you, you look moving forward on the left side. You have potentially Clapbaum. You have the Darnell Nurse, the way he's been playing. In a few years, you'll have Broberg. You mentioned Caleb Jones. You mentioned Samarukov. You can only have three in the lineup. And on the other side, who knows what's going to happen with Larson and Barry. I would expect the Oilers are going to have at least one of them. You potentially have Ethan Bear and you have Evan Bouchard. Like, the Oilers are flush with defense, and that's why I've, I know Oilers fans have hated it, the word patience, but it's something I think a lot of us in the media have been saying for the last couple of years when it comes to defense of the team going, this defense is going to be good. You just need to wait a few years. The Oilers don't need to go out and make a big, flashy move defensively because they're going to have the players in a few years, and uh, it's starting to happen. And, yeah, like I, I think Broberg's probably two years away from the NHL, and once he's here, I think then you're going to really see just a solid defense of, of 
but with everyone. And on top of that, with some of these guys, they're going to have cheap contracts too. Think about that money Ken Holland will be able to spend with the forward group while he's dealing with some uh, defenders that are on cheap deals. Oh, absolutely. You're, you nailed it 100% there. Kind of reminds me of like, I think the Anaheim Ducks in the yes. early 2010s. It was like every year they just had this guy who was, you know, a first round pick, but 22 years old jumping to the NHL. Seamless transition. And if the Oilers can achieve that, good things are happening. Matt, thanks a lot for doing this. Really appreciate it. Always happy to jump on. Excellent stuff from Matthew Awanek of TSN 1260, one half of the Dave Jameson Show. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, at Matthew Awanek. And uh, he joined us immediately following the game on Monday night. So we appreciate him breaking curfew to join us on the podcast. It's kind of fun actually talking about that 2006 team. I think we left out Marc-Andre Bergeron, who was a big part of that team as well, provided some offense for them, good on the power play. Obviously, Chris Pronger was you know, probably a little bit better on that power play, but that was a fun team to watch. And when you look at the Oilers team right now, obviously expansion could play a role and you might lose a player, but man, Oscar Clefbaum, Darnell Nurse... Caleb Jones, Ethan Bear, maybe you've got Tyson Berry back for another year. Then you you look at the young pieces that you're bringing up, and Evan Bouchard, Philip Brobergs, Morikov, who had the leg injury this year, probably sets him back a little bit longer. But the reinforcements are coming. They they've done a very good job of drafting and being patient with these players, letting them develop the proper way. And uh, for Oilers fans, the team's looking good. The the future's looking bright. And they didn't trade any of those assets away at the trade deadline. So good on Ken Holland. Hopefully the patience pays off for everybody and we'll see what happens going forward. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Montreal Canadiens. Of course, the Oilers winning 4-1 on Monday night. These two teams will meet once again on Wednesday. It's an 8 o'clock puck drop. If you're looking for some pregame coverage, TSN 1260 will have you covered. Tom Gazzola, Matt Cassian, and myself. 6 o'clock start time, 8 o'clock puck drop, so we've got you covered for two hours of coverage. But let's talk a little bit about the Montreal Canadiens with Joe Whalen. He is the co-host of Canadiens Connection. You can also give him a follow on Twitter, at JoeWhalen19. Joe, thanks a lot for staying up tonight to do this. Really appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, Connor. I'm really happy to be on with you. Of course, we had you back on, on the Canadians Connection podcast a few weeks ago, and uh, and unfortunately, that was to tee up a three-game set that did not happen, so uh, it feels like we're making it up. Yeah, I mean, at the time, our intentions were good. We were all, all ready to go, and then, of course, a little COVID scare and things don't happen, but I'm glad you're able to do this. I know it's late out east, so I'm thankful that you, you stayed up and did this one, and I'm sure after that game, you know, as a Canadiens fan, you got to be a little bit frustrated. seems like one might have just slipped away. Yeah, you know, I have to say, Connor, I thought through about 45 minutes of that game that we were going to be having a vastly different conversation, <laughs> um, one that was mostly centered around Eric Stahl and uh, whether or not he's been the most uh, hated forward of the Montreal Canadiens this season by a fan base uh, over Tyler Toffoli, who, of course, <laughs> the Vancouver Canucks fans do not like him very much, but uh, yeah, it changed very quickly, and you know, I saw a lot of conversation, and this is the one thing that I wanted to to really mention because there seemed to be some uh, confidence through the game. Of, of course, I mean the Canadians were playing a solid game, uh, but there was a, a full sense of confidence that the Canadians had this team figured out and had Connor McDavid figured out, and then Connor McDavid goes and does what Connor McDavid does, and. You know, it, it just sort of reminded me because, you know, you see it every year in, in the NBA where teams that are, that figure to be contenders will bring in somebody that they figure to be a LeBron James stopper. When in fact, there, there are no LeBron James stoppers. There's only guys that can contain him for short periods of time. 
And Connor McDavid is the same way. And the Canadians had a good game plan through 40 minutes, and then Connor McDavid just emerged, and that was what you expected to happen. I, I had a feeling. I had a feeling in this game that we were finally going to see Connor McDavid do that against the Canadians because coming in, it was well-documented, four assists against the Canadians, and, and you know, obviously given the amount of points that he has, you'd probably expect a little bit more of an output than that. But, yeah, he was he was tremendous, and there's not much else that you can really say about Connor McDavid <laughs> than, my God, he is he is the best player in the world. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, we're, we're definitely spoiled. Uh, all those tough years of watching, and it, and it wasn't for lack of trying. I mean, the Oilers drafted yeah. first overall a lot, tried to find that mystery piece, and it, it finally came together. And you're right, like, we talked about how the Montreal Canadiens had done such a good job on Connor McDavid and, you know, holding him to four points, which... I mean, that, that's not bad numbers, but for Connor McDavid, it, it seemed a little bit weird. Yeah. And then, you know, tonight there was just that point where it kind of seemed like he said, you know what, I got to put the team on my shoulders. And it's tough to defend. I mean, that the goal he scores, you got two guys in the right position. And then, you know, he goes Connor McDavid and all of a sudden <laughs> pucks in the back of the net and you're down 2-1. It's, it, it's something that I think at times the Oilers have relied on a little bit too much, hoping for him to go out there and do those sorts of things. But... Man, it's nice to have in your back pocket uh, Joe Whalen from Canadians Connection joining me here on the Other Connor Podcast. Uh, I got to ask about Carey Price, and, and he goes down after 20 yeah. minutes. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming there's no real update as of yet, but uh, anything you saw that you can think that might be the reason for him leaving this game? Well, they mentioned on the broadcast there was uh, the, the chase on, of course, and the disallowed goal for McDavid, who, who very... Uh, could have had a goal earlier in the game if not for that goaltender interference uh, being called back. But there was that. There was that shot from Leon Dreisaitl off of the beautiful pass from Connor McDavid <laughs> that seemingly caught Price in, a, in an awkward position. I, the thing about Carey Price this season, and, and this was talked about a little bit when Stefan Waite was let go and Dominic Ducharme touched on it as well, he's been dealing with uh, a, a, a few different things. He's had the knee that's been bothering him i believe also the hip i mean it's it's sort of the byproduct of of years of having auntie niemi and keith kincaid backing him up and not really having an alternative to go to to get him some rest and uh, that has accumulated over the years so you're fortunate you have jake allen but you definitely want Kerry price in between the pipes so tonight was incredibly concerning if you're a montreal canadians fan because as we saw i mean jake allen to his credit, he, he battled. Uh, he, he looked like a guy that was uh, sort of thrown in there, wasn't expecting to be in there. Some rebounds out amongst uh, the uh, out in the middle of the ice that the Canadians got to, uh, fortunately. But, you know, yeah, you, you want to have Carey Price in the net as much as you can, especially, you know, heading down the stretch of, of, the, of this season. The Canadians, you know, clinging on to that fourth playoff spot. You want to have Carey Price find that rhythm and, and get into form. So this was a uh, a bit of a devastating night for the Canadians, and and yeah, it's does not not coming at a good time, especially with Brendan Gallagher out as well. Yeah, and uh, yeah, for Jake Allen, obviously not the ideal situation to get thrust into. I, I thought he played okay. Uh, you know, the McDavid goal tough to stop. Uh, yeah, you know the the Bear Jesse Puliarvi on the breakaway tough tough situations to be thrown into now. I don't want to put it out there in the universe or anything, but it, if Carey Price, if he is expected or if he goes on to miss a little bit of time, is there confidence in Jake Allen that he can be the guy for uh, for, for who knows how long? I, You know, it, it's, it's an interesting question with Jake Allen because I think that he has earned 
uh, trust from this fan base that you know he can go in there in that situation and do a better job than the Canadians have had guys do in years past. But there's also been a little bit, maybe too much, that's been given to Jake Allen in terms of of that sort of in terms of credit because. People look at the numbers, goals against save percentage, and say, well, look, this is Jake Allen. This is Carey Price. Jake Allen's been playing better. And and that's not exactly fair. I think the Canadians play a slightly different style in front of Jake Allen that's a little bit more defensive-oriented with with an emphasis on protecting the house a little bit. And, you know, Jake, I think, listen, to his credit, uh, this is a role that he is very good at. He can fulfill this role. When you stretch it beyond that, it's it's been shown in St. Louis. When you give him a little bit more rope, his numbers take a nosedive. So for the Canadians to have to rely on mostly Jake Allen down the stretch, if that turns out to be the case, that could be a, uh, a huge, huge turning point in the season for the Canadians. And listen, I, I, I don't want to take anything away from Jake Allen because he has been very, very good this season. But you just think... I mean, heading down this with the Canadians in in a playoff spot with so many games coming up against the Flames as well, who are just right behind them. There's not much cushion there. It's it's going to get dicey. Joe, I actually during this game had a couple friends text me, and I will say they are diehard Edmonton Oilers fans, saying, "Wow, the <laughs> Canadians are kind of dirty, kind of cheap." Now, obviously, wearing the yeah. the Oilers goggles there, but you know, you look at this game tonight. Uh, Hometown statistics, Oilers 39 hits the Canadians with 28. Have they been playing that physical brand of hockey? Because earlier on I thought they were doing a very good job playing, good physical game, and, you know, I, I liked it. I, it's something I haven't seen from a while or for a while in an Oilers game, and it was kind of a nice uh, nice surprise. Well, you, you have the usual suspects for the Montreal Canadiens. You have guys that get involved in that aspect of the game. Alexander Romanoff, uh, that was a solid hit, I, I, and, and I, I feel tremendously for Jujar Kara, and I hope that he's okay, uh, because that did not look good, but it just seemed like that was a, a very solid contact that sort of led to to that uh, particular incident, but you heard Connor Hellebuck talk about Corey Perry and his antics in front of the net. He's somebody that is not afraid you know, to get involved in that aspect either, and of course, you know, you have guys like Shea Weber, Joel Edmondson, Ben Sherratt, they have those physical guys. Uh, Josh Anderson's another one, but you know it, it's it's not necessarily because, like I, I was saying earlier, it's it's a team that you don't really know what you're going to get night to night, and that's been the case lately with them in this sort of win one lose one pattern as of late. And they've now lost two in a row, but before that, they alternated losses and wins. You know, with a team like that, you don't know what type of effort you're going to get, and then that often translates to the physicality. And against the Ottawa Senators, I mean, they just were not ready to play. And tonight it seemed like they were they were ready to go. And I don't know if it might tie back to, and I was thinking about this, the you know, from a few games back when the Edmonton Oilers were a tired team on the second night of a back-to-back, and you had the Connor McDavid, you know, the elbow that rode up into Yasperi Kotkaniemi. It seemed like that might have been something at play there because there was the incident between Deneau and, and McDavid at the bench on a, on a line change early on in the game. It seemed like there might be there might have been something stuck in the Canadians' craw, and it might be that they're a little bit frustrated right now. But yeah, they they, they have some guys that aren't afraid to get uh, you know mixed up in that aspect of the game. But uh, it, it's it's certainly been strange. You don't really exactly know what you're going to get from this group. 
You know, I'm, I'm just laughing. I've actually got that answer from uh, the Flames and the Canucks people I've had on the podcast as well. Like, it's you never know really what you're going to get. And uh, honestly, the the physical play, I loved it. Because for the Oilers fans listening, I mean, Zach Cassian, the guy's been MIA for a little while, and you could start to see him get some of that swagger back, kind of got the crazy eyes going. So Oilers fans would be happy if, if you know, these games against Montreal can wake him up, and obviously it makes for good entertainment value. Now, I just want to ask you about the uh, the team as a whole since Dominic Ducharme took over for Claude Julien. It's been, I think, coming up on a couple months here. H- have you noticed anything big changing with their play? There are... Yeah, there's some tactical changes. Like there, there's definitely a difference in how they're playing, and I think right away. And and, and Stefan Way touched on this when he got let go as the goaltender coach. He gave a lot of credit to Dominic Ducharme for changing the way this team was playing in the defensive zone, and and you know it was it was warranted. It was very much warranted because the way the Canadians were playing under Julian, their defensive system, they they would just get outmanned, and it was just not a it was not a good look, right? They would be getting outworked, and and the Canadians. It was just not very good. Dominic Ducharme cleaned a lot of that up, simplified it, especially for their younger centermen like Yasperi Kotkaniemi, who, you know, at times would be a little bit, look a little bit confused as to where he might, should be in, in a defensive coverage in, the, in, the, in his own zone. So he changed it from a zone sort of coverage to man-on-man. That, that made a big difference in the Canadian zone. But Beyond that, there's been a lot made of the power play and, and Alex Burroughs taking over alongside Ducharme for that. And, and that has, you know, it, it, it's looked good. I mean, they've incorporated new elements. Uh, under Claude Julian, there was a lot of funneling the puck back to the point to Jeff Petrie and Shea Weber. And, and understandably so. They're, they're the big weapons that the Canadians possess. But the teams would anticipate it, cut off the pass, and the puck would go down the ice and the Canadians would have to reset. Under Ducharme and, and Alex Burroughs, there's a lot more down-low work. Uh, you didn't see it all that often tonight. Uh, you know, uh, the Edmonton Oilers walked away with probably one of the better opportunities on a Canadian's power play tonight. But, uh, you know, it, they've been doing some different things like that. There's definitely been subtle changes and tactical changes that have been made. But, yeah, it's it's not been that different. And if you look at the numbers, I mean, they're – they're basically identical. Like they are not that different in terms of, you know, goals for per game, goals against, wins and losses. It's it's all pretty similar. There have been changes made, but obviously they have not taken huge effect. So, Joe, obviously these two teams meet again once again on Wednesday night. Uh, it's a little bit of a later start for us. Eight o'clock here, out east. Ten o'clock. Uh, Jesus, <laughs> yeah. a really late one for you. I have to have another cup of coffee, maybe mix in a nap or something. But what can you expect from the Montreal Canadiens on Wednesday night? And I mean, has there been a trend when it comes to games after a loss? Well, this is the thing that I'm I'm, I'm looking back at that recent back to, well, two games against the same opponent, not back-to-back, but uh, they played the Flames twice recently. They played them on the 14th of April, and they lost that one 4-1. to Then they played them again two nights later on a Friday night, won that one 2-1. to So they're going to need to follow that same sort of template. You know, you lose this one, it's a tough loss by the same by the same scores. They lost the uh, the first game to the Flames, but they're going to need to come out and win this next game against the Oilers because you have to maintain some cushion between yourself and the and the Calgary Flames and you know it's it's not going to be easy against the Oilers it, it never is 
even though they did make it look a little bit easier on in, in the earlier matchups this season. You know, it, now that Connor McDavid has experienced that, you know that Leon Dreisaitl is just waiting in the wings. He's going to probably do something the next time these teams play on Wednesday. So the Canadians are going to need to be prepared for that. And the big question mark, and as you did, you touched on it in one of your first questions, is is it going to be Jake Allen that's going to be there or is it going to be Carey Price? Because that might make a difference in how it turns out. But for the Canadians, they'll just need to try the best that they can to replicate that performance on Friday against the Calgary Flames. It was a low-scoring game. They won 2-1. to one. Uh, Tyler Toffoli with two goals. They're going to need something similar to that uh, to come away with uh, an important two points. Absolutely, and uh, it's kind of weird here. Like working the Edmonton radio station, you get the occasional Flames fan texting into us saying, "Like, go Oilers! You ought to be the Canadians." It just it's <laughs> it's a really weird uh, dynamic going on right now. But we knew that would probably happen with the North Division in 2021. Yeah. Uh, Joe, thanks so much for staying up and doing this. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me, Connor. It was great to be on with you. Excellent stuff from Joe Whalen of Canadians Connection. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter as well at Joe Whalen. 19 and for the Montreal Canadiens, like I said, I, I think just demoralizing. It's, it's gotta be tough. You know, you're playing a pretty good road game and then Connor McDavid does what Connor McDavid does and all of a sudden you're down 3-1 game over. <laughs> Can't be too much fun, but, uh, for the Oilers fans listening, yeah, that's, uh, it's a lot of fun and one of the perks of having the best player in the world on your hockey team. Right now, Final segment here on the Other Connor Podcast. We're going to talk a little daily fantasy sports with Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings Nation. You can also give him a follow on Twitter as well, at the Fantasy Grind. He always brings the good advice for you daily fantasy sports players out there. Jeffrey, thanks a lot for doing this today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Yeah, you know, winding up here towards or getting close to the end of the season. So lots of, uh, lots of playoff races and stuff like that to keep an eye on. So pretty fun for the last uh, little half of um, uh, fantasy hockey. Absolutely. It should be fun, and uh, this week will be no different, of course. But Corey Connors uh, doing remarkable things. Uh, had another good finish this past weekend. How long before we see him atop the leaderboard here? I, I don't think it'll be too long. You know, we, we have a, a summer stretch coming up of golf with, uh, you know, some weaker style events, uh, a few weaker fields. And even into the fall, you know, you can you can see players like Connors potentially break through, maybe even at a bigger event like a WGC. So, uh, I, I think Corey Connors is, is still kind of uh, peaking, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I think he's, he's just sort of figured out, um, you know, facets of his game this year that, that haven't been as good in the past. And yeah, I just, uh, another solid week for him. He'll, he'll break through eventually. Um, I almost feel like he needs like a tougher style course, uh, as well, just with the style of game. So you saw a few more birdies flying there at the RBC Heritage. Um, you know, you get Corey Connors on a bit of tougher course, maybe even the U.S. Open. You never know. And uh, I think Connors can do some good stuff. Oh, yeah, that would be amazing if that were to it happen. Really would be. <laughs> uh, Jeff, let's get to the NHL. A few situations I'm going to throw at you because, of course, uh, the Edmonton Oilers taking on the Montreal Maple Leafs, of course, play the Monday night, and then they take them on once again on a Wednesday. And there's times in an NHL season where superstars might struggle against certain teams. And that is what I'm going to say has been the case for McDavid and Dreisaitl. And I use the term struggle lightly because they're still putting up points. But when you see superstars going into a matchup that they haven't maybe uh, done too well in previously in the season. For you, is, is there any uh, maybe uh, temptation to maybe just back off and, and stay away? Or because it's a superstar, do you have to go all in with them? No, I, I definitely think that I'm someone who looks more at the matchups, especially for the NHL. Uh, I really do feel like NHL is 
It's very matchup dependent, or at least it can be. And it's something that you should be taking account the matchups in every night. Now, there's certain slates where it might be shorter slate. You don't really have a choice. You know, Connor McDavid is the only skater over like, you know, $7,000 or something. You're probably going to want to get a piece of them. But, you know, this Monday was a great example of, of McDavid, you know, going up against the, um, the Montreal Canadiens. He'd averaged like well under a point per game versus them this season. The Oilers have just kind of played really slow, kind of just low-scoring games against them all years. I mean, Montreal's just a good defensive team. And, um, you know, you had other options on the slate. You got guys like Pacioretty, Alex Barkov, uh, all cheaper and, and in far better matchups against teams like, you know, uh, Columbus and, um, and San Jose. So in those situations for daily fantasy, I, I really don't think you have to necessarily just be like, oh, yeah, I, I just got to play McDavid because it's McDavid. When there's better options on the slate and, and specifically better matchups you, you should be looking at them for daily fantasy because, again, we have a lot of bad stats with hockey. We know teams like Columbus, San Jose allow way more shots on goal, way more scoring chances, and you should take advantage, uh, especially since, um, especially when the, the price differences between those top players are, are so great. Another one I want to ask you, just with the Oilers taking on the Canadians, of course, Cole Caulfield uh, being someone who's still on the Canadians' taxi squad but might jump up, uh, the Edmonton Oilers bringing a guy from Bakersfield up in Ryan McLeod. He'll be on their taxi squad for a little bit here. Who knows? Both those guys down the road could jump in. When you're playing, I mean, how often do you watch those guys who have put up pretty good points at the AHL level or collegiate level for Caulfield? Do you like to take a chance on those guys when they get into their first couple games in the NHL? Maybe they're a cheap option for you? So, again, you know, Obviously, I'm not an NHL scout, but but you kind of you do want to do a little bit of research and understand what kind of players you're you're kind of getting. But I think the main thing for for most fantasy players is just what you can do is is, is look at the opportunity, right? I mean, you know, you look at the difference between Montreal's and Edmonton's lineup. Montreal probably a bit deeper forward core, whereas you know the Oilers, Nugent Hopkins out. Uh, McLeod, even if he slots in on the third line, you got to figure like there might be a little bit more chance that he gets uh, suited in on the power play sooner. You might you might see him get pumped up to a line with Drysidle at some point. So I think the opportunity is is really what I look for with with new players getting injected, especially around this time of year because we always get those college players or call ups around this time of year, even in a normal year, right? So um, so right now I, I think Ryan McLeod is kind of the player I have more of my eye on for sure. Um, Oilers obviously with a thin forward group. McLeod definitely lighting it up, 28 points in, in 28 games in the, in the AHL. I mean, this guy was a steal for them in the draft, and, and he really does look like kind of a big, strong skater who is going to be able to keep up with the Oilers' speed. So uh, right now, McLeod is the guy I have my eye on between those two, but it all comes down to opportunity and uh, where he's going to get slotted in. Now, the Oilers only have these games against the Montreal Canadiens this week, so uh, you know I won't ask for too much advice on what they should do, but how about around the league? Is there anyone you like this week in terms of matchups? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'd keep my eye on the Florida Panthers here uh, going forward. They they obviously added some depth um, at the deadline. Nikita Gusoff, you got Sam Bennett in there now, and, and Alex Barkoff is healthy. So, you know, again, I mentioned taking on uh, Columbus, obviously, uh, early in the week, which which is a really good matchup. And, and Florida's coming off uh, like a, another t- – they, they, uh, they played Tampa Bay tough again. I mean, this team is, is just matching up well versus uh, a lot of different um, opponents this year. And I just like them mainly because of the people they, they, they added. Like Nikita Gustav is a really talented forward. He's been going off around 3K on DraftKings, but he's playing alongside Alex Barkov. He's played over 17 minutes a game in, in his first couple games with the Panthers. He's, he's being flooded right into a main role. Sam Bennett now on the second line there. 
Um, the, the Panthers are an intriguing team, and, and those value pieces for fantasy, a couple of guys I really want to keep my eye on. And just quickly, uh, I'll, I'll mention Tage Thompson, too, on the, uh, the Buffalo Sabres. Another really cheap value, getting more opportunity. Come through with a couple goals lately, and with no Taylor Hall there, um, you know, just, just keep an eye on him because he, he's just so cheap that, um, you know, if the opportunity keeps being given to him, he's, he's going to be a good daily fantasy play. I might be putting you on the spot here, but you, you kind of bring up a good point there. Taylor Hall being shipped out for the Buffalo Sabres, obviously opportunities arise for other players. Was there anyone else at deadline who, you know, I, you know, didn't get traded, but, you know, just by the fact of having their team lose players might take a little bit of a bump here? That's, that is actually a really interesting question. Um, you know, I, obviously we, we want to focus on guys like, um, like Jacob Verana, who's going to Detroit, who is another player you, you should be keeping your eye on because he's going to get lots of opportunity. But I, I think the one, the one situation that might come to mind is in Pittsburgh. You know, them adding Jeff Carter there, it, it's kind of just making their, um, their forward group a little bit more um, just deeper, obviously. A guy like Evan Rodriguez now going down to the third line. Uh, but, but Carter's um, inclusion there could, could sort of bump up a guy like Jared McCann. Or, or Jason Zucker, and, and on the other flip side of that, you know, you look at the LA Kings. I'm not sure if, if Carter leaving is necessarily going to bump anyone up because they were kind of having issues scoring like beyond their first line, anyways. But you know, a guy who, who we know well from last year, um, and I'm going to butcher his name, Andres Ana 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 Dacia. Ana Sanseu. Um Yeah, you can just cut that out. <laughs> he he might be getting a little bit more. Um, opportunity there on the second line for for LA as well. <laughs> I uh, I battled with that so much. Athena <laughs> say you. It's funny cuz you know, the, whenever a guy like that gets traded to the Oilers based on his name, it's like, "Oh god, I got to I got to try to learn this and it's going to be impossible." And of oh, I course, had it last year too. I, I had it down pat last year when he was with the Oilers, but uh, now I've I've lost it. <laughs> Athena say you. That's what I went with and and I was always I just like hoping it. I didn't butcher it, but uh, yeah, that that definitely a tough one. Now, you mentioned the Columbus Blue Jackets as a team that, you know, as an opposition for the Florida Panthers, you really like. Is there any other teams, maybe a team in the north outside of Ottawa that you see like, hey, so-and-so is playing this team, let's stack it up? Yeah, I mean, Vancouver's kind of been that team all year. I mean, Calgary, for, for all their deficiencies, they're, they're still like kind of more of a neutral matchup defensively. Uh, we obviously talked about Montreal. I mean, I, I could throw Edmonton into this this ring. They are a pretty good matchup, but the Oilers are at least getting good goaltending on, on a consistent basis, or, the, or at least they have been for um, sort of the middle part of the year. Vancouver, I know they came back from the COVID hiatus. They got a big win over Toronto, but this is still a team that's just allowed a ton of scoring chances this year. Kind of been a really big disappointment, and, and they've gotten goaltending in stretches, but re- realistically, they saw so many shots on goal that, um, you know, when your team is up against Vancouver, it's a similar situation to Columbus. You know, um, you're getting a lot more scoring chances. Your, your forwards should be given a little bit of boost in, in just your sort of rankings or model or whatever you're doing to, to kind of select your players. So the Canucks, uh, you know, it, it's a tough situation. You almost feel bad targeting them at this point, but they, they you should definitely be giving your forwards a boost uh, when they're on the schedule. How about uh, goaltending this week between the pipes? Anyone you like? Yeah, I mean, you know, the the one situation that uh, you know I was kind of looking at today is, is it's kind of the Dallas Stars. Dallas is still in the playoff race here. They really haven't had a good season, but both their goalies, uh, Kadobin, uh, Ottinger, they played really well late, um, and, and they have some weaker matchups coming up. Uh, you know, again, another team that you could probably really keep your eye on. 
Um, there's a lot of weak teams in that division just in terms of matchups. Obviously, uh, Detroit, but like Chicago is a good matchup. Columbus, we just finished talking about. Nashville's been getting good goaltending, but outside of the top three teams there, like Dallas has a lot of good matchups uh, for, for potential. So um, the, the Dallas Stars goalies uh, could be, you know, allowing this team to kind of make a run uh, for the playoffs. They definitely kind of jump off the page for me um, just for, from first thought. Um, you know, if you're looking, the Red Wings goalies have played better, but I, I don't know if that's a situation you, you necessarily want to keep chasing. So I think I'll just limit it to the Dallas Stars um, in that uh, in that division and, and go from there. You still, uh, you know, the, the other tandem that I, I kind of always seems like they're underpriced is, is Minnesota Wild. Uh, Talbot, um, you know, having a really strong season. So so is their rookie uh, Finn, Finn backup. So um, Minnesota can sometimes be um, underrated as well just from a salary perspective. But for, for the immediate future, I would really keep an eye on Dallas. Um, their, their goalies seem to be a little bit underrated, and they, they've kind of turned a, a corner just in terms of uh, play lately. Uh, Jeff, before I let you go, I've been looking at fantasy baseball here on DraftKings. Any advice for me if I were to dabble in that? So, uh, you know, baseball and hockey. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to give you, like, specific team-by-team advice, but for lineup construction, baseball and hockey have a lot of similarities. You, you, you will probably, if you have played a lot of NHL, you'll probably find baseball a really good sport to transfer over to. Um, obviously, you want to do a little bit of research, but it's the same principles apply. You want to correlate your hitters. You want hitters who are hitting close to each other so that, you know, if a guy's hitting second, he gets on base. That guy hitting third, also in your lineup, he hits a home run or a double. Not only do you get credit for the hit, but you get the RBI credit as well. So it's just like in hockey. If, if you have two players on a line, they get an assist and a goal, you get double the points. You don't get double the points, but you get that correlated scoring. You get points from two players. It's the same thing at MLB. You want to correlate your hitters. That is the main thing um, that you really should be doing when you're constructing big tournament lineups, especially in, in baseball. So um, I really like the, the, the sort of transfer over between NHL and MLB. And again, if you're new to MLB coming over from NHL, you'll probably find it. It's not that hard a transition. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. And I, I hope it's easier because I, you know, I, I could use a little extra money, a little bank account. Uh, Jeff, thanks a lot for doing this today. Really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next week. Okay, man. Thanks a lot. Excellent stuff from Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings Nation. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter as well at the Fantasy Grind. He's got his daily posts with daily fantasy information. I highly recommend you check it out, and uh, he'll help you win a little bit of money. I promise you that. And uh, that is actually going to do it for us here on the Other Connor Podcast. The Edmonton Oilers back in action on Wednesday night, taking on the Montreal Canadiens. If you are looking for some pregame coverage, tune into TSN 1260 with myself, Tom Gazzola, and former NHLer Matt Cassian. 6 o'clock start, Mountain Time. Puck drop, 8 o'clock. So we've got you covered for two hours on the pregame coverage on TSN 1260. Big thank you to all of our guests. Once again, Matthew Iwanek of TSN 1260, Joe Whalen from Canadians Connection, and Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings Nation. Most importantly, thank you to everyone who tuned in to this episode of the Other Connor Podcast. My name is Connor Halley. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you on Friday's show. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.